I'm Laura Zam, and this is Sexual Healing Central. And today we are talking to Dr. Tara Scott, who is a hormone expert. And I'm thrilled to have her here, and she is going to introduce herself. Yes, thank you, Laura. As you said, I am Dr. Tara Scott. I've been called the hormone guru. I am an integrative gynecologist. I look for the why behind your hormone symptoms so I can treat the cause and not the symptom and get you on a path for the safest therapy without the risks. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Scott. And uh, I just look forward to all of your expertise. So what are some of the risks and benefits with regard to hormone replacement therapy or taking hormones? I know in the menopausal world that there's a lot of confusion. Can you clear this up for us? Yes, there is. There still is a lot of confusion, actually. But in order for me to properly tell the story, I got to start back in the 1940s. And at that time, if someone wanted hormone therapy, they took the hormones from pig ovaries, okay? And they had to sacrifice 2,500 pig ovaries just to get one milligram of progesterone. And we gave 100 every night. So what they did is somebody, I don't know how, but they figured out, hey, if I look at pregnant horse urine, I see this type of estrogen in there. And so they did studies on it. And at the time, they couldn't figure out how to make progesterone. So they just gave estrogen only. And so they did some studies on it. And it was like, oh, women felt so much better. Dr. Wilson wrote a book called Feminine Forever. And the marketing was such that if you don't take hormones, you're going to turn into a man. You're not going to be pleasant. And so there was a lot of really sexist marketing at that time. And so what we found is that Taking the hormones did help a lot of symptoms of menopause. It helped moods. It also helped your heart and it helped your bones. So the studies were really positive. But then after so many years went by with estrogen only, they started seeing an increased risk of cancer of the uterus. Because when you give estrogen, estrogen causes growth and progesterone causes cell death. It's the yin and the yang. It's like you can't charge on your credit card without paying it off, right? So estrogen without progesterone caused an increased risk of uterine cancer. So at the time, they couldn't figure out how to micronize natural progesterone. So they went back to the drawing board and made a synthetic version, which was called medroxyprogesterone acetate, MPA for short. So they put it in with the Premarin and the Provera, and it was, and it was called Prempro. Okay, so then crisis averted less risk of cancer of the uterus, okay? So then back in the 90s, the Women's Health Initiative said, let's see if we can get the FDA indication to give everyone estrogen. It's so great. Everybody should take it. The number one killer in women is heart disease. Number two is stroke. Number three is lung cancer. Number four is breast cancer. If you add up the deaths in two, three, and four, you still don't equal heart disease. So we knew that this estrogen was positive, that it was helping heart disease. And some of the studies were showing that if you started at the time of menopause, it actually decreases your risk of heart disease. So they wanted the indication to give everyone this Prempro. So they set out to do the Women's Health Initiative. And they thought the purest form of research is something called a randomized placebo-controlled trial, which means you as a participant don't know if you're getting the drug or not you could be getting a placebo. In order to do that, you couldn't have been on hormone therapy or you couldn't be having any symptoms, which made the average age 65 who were in the study. There are about 16,000 women. Now, if you think about it, the risk of heart disease at 50 versus 65 is quite different. 
So already the population was skewed. Nevertheless, they did the study. They had women taking estrogen only who had no uterus because the practice was once you take out the uterus, you don't need to protect it from uterine cancer. So you only needed to give Premarin. And then they had another arm of women who had a uterus who would have to take the Premarin and the Provera. After five years, they saw an increased risk of blood clots and breast cancer. This was in 2001. I was in practice at the time. They didn't give us the information. It was on Good Morning America before it was in our journal of the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. So it was hysteria. I was in practice. Everyone was calling. Do I get off of my hormones? It didn't matter if you were 60 or 40, if you had ovaries or not. Everyone said, get off of your hormones, even your thyroid and your insulin, because those are hormones. So it was just crazy. So that was in 2001. And that's kind of when I was in practice and I saw, it doesn't really seem like there's a good option for women for hormones. And that's when I started studying bioidentical hormones, type of testing and options for therapy, because I didn't see my patients feeling good on this synthetic hormone, synthetic estrogen and synthetic progestin. So if we look deeper at the results, we think the conclusion was wrong. First of all, there's different types of hormones. There's Splenda, there's uh, Stevia, there's NutraSweet. They all have different risks. So all the different types of hormones, you can't say they all have the same risk. They're in the same category pharmaceutically, but they don't have the same risk. And so the second problem is, like I mentioned, is that they had these older women and we had other studies that showed that, no, if you start hormones earlier, it doesn't increase the risk of heart disease. So also because this synthetic progestin was not the same as progesterone. So basically estrogen causes growth and this synthetic progestin in the uterus causes cell death, but in the breast, it causes more growth. So you've got growth and growth. So that's why there's an increased risk of breast cancer with the progestin. So it went back and forth for a long time. There were several years that nobody took hormones. And probably if you ask family doctors and internal medicine doctors, they still think hormone therapy is bad, right? So that was almost 20 years ago, 2002. So it's 2021, right? So 19 years ago. So there's several studies that came after that that didn't get the same media attention. One was a study that looked at, well, if you took estrogen through the skin in a patch, would you still have the same risk of blood clots if you took it through the skin and it didn't go through the liver? Because that's where the blood clotting proteins were. So a woman called Marianne Kanoniko did a meta-analysis, which means she looked at 17 different studies. And what she found was, you know what? There's not an increased risk of blood clots if you take estrogen through the skin because it doesn't go through the liver. And yes, if you take an oral version of it, then there is. So I, as a practice, and you know, it's my practice pattern never to give oral estrogen, even if it's bioidentical. Okay. So that's the first thing. So then the second question is, is there a risk of breast cancer, right? That's what everybody wants to know. So in 2008, there was another study that was published. It was an observational study, which means that they didn't have the placebo. They let women take what they want. They did it in Europe, but there were 80,000 women ages 40 to 64 in this study. This was the E3 EPIC study. So it's a more reasonable group of women, 40 to 64, right? And they let the women make their own choices. And women in Europe did not take this synthetic estrogen and synthetic progestin. A lot of them, almost 97%, were taking an estrogen through the skin. So that bypassed the blood clot issue, right? So they had four groups. One people took nothing. They were the control. One group took the synthetic progestin and the bioidentical estrogen through the skin. They had an increased risk of breast cancer. Women who took estrogen only 
had an increased risk of breast cancer. And the women who took the bioidentical progesterone that was made from Mexican yam and the estrogen that was taken through the skin had no increased risk of breast cancer for eight years in women who were 40 to 64 compared to controls. So there's been several studies that have looked at actually what's called micronized progesterone, which is bioidentical. Bioidentical, all that means is it's chemically the same to the hormone that our body makes. And so those, I'm not aware of a study showing that that increases the risk of breast cancer. So along the way, since 2002, the North American Menopause Society has said, okay, well, maybe not all hormones have the same risks, not all forms. And you should take the lowest dose for the shortest time for symptoms. And maybe transdermal estrogen has less risk, but they won't come out and say not to take transdermal. And they've changed saying micronized progesterone has less risk of breast cancer if you have that. But here's my soapbox. A lot of these societies are funded by the drug companies. So you can't alienate a big company that makes the Prempro, right? So they're a big funder to a lot. It was the number one drug prescribed of any drug for a long time. When you say transdermal or on the skin, are you including topical like cream? Like that's what I take. I take a bioidentical cream that goes in the vagina and to some extent around the vulva. So in the vagina is considered local therapy on the skin, on your thigh, or if you're wearing a patch on your abdomen, that's called systemic therapy. I do know that it's a practice pattern of a lot of doctors to give systemic therapy to women through the vagina and the vulva. But again, like I said, as a person who trained with a pharmacist, the absorption is not there when you put it in the vagina to go everywhere to protect your bones, to protect your heart. I don't know that any vaginal estrogen has ever studied, been studied and shown to decrease your risk of heart disease and protect your bones. But that just the estrogen does not increase your risk for breast cancer, this kind of topical estrogen. So that's another interesting thing. There was another study, the makers of Premarin vaginal cream did a study compared to something called Vagifem, which is a bioidentical estrogen, and it was 25 micrograms. And they saw after one week of use that estrogen levels in the blood were high after one week of use of vaginal hormone. So the recommendation for women who have a history of breast cancer is not to take estrogen through the vagina, is to take something else like DHEA. And so DHEA has just been FDA approved for vaginal use for atrophy. I see. And can you tell people what DHEA is? Because I I think people don't necessarily know that as an option. So DHEA, remember we talked about your monthly paycheck and your 401k. So DHEA is made from your adrenal gland. It turns into either estrogen or testosterone. And when you go through menopause, that is the source of your hormones after that. And it works through something called intracrinology. And what that means is DHEA gets into the cell. Within that cell, there's either an enzyme that's gonna turn it into estrogen, like in your bone, but that enzyme that turns it into estrogen does not exist in your uterus or your breast. So there's other enzymes that turn it into testosterone. So in your breast, in your uterus, it favors testosterone. So it, it goes into the cell, it has the action within the cell, but then it's deactivated. So I, if I give you DHEA, I'm not raising your estrogen to your whole body, whether I give it vaginally or whether I give it orally. So that's the, what endocrinology is. I see. Fascinating. Oh, wow. This is so, so much great information. 
we've touched upon all kinds of menopausal things. I wanted you to talk about, tell us what GSM is, genitourinary syndrome of menopause, which is, uh, you know, hormonal decreases is what's going to give rise to the syndrome. But I think, I know most women don't know about this terminology and I really want to get the word out. So what is GSM? So GSM is a newer terminology from the North American Menopause Society. And I think you said it was four years. I couldn't remember exactly how many years they changed the nomenclature, but it used to be vaginal atrophy. And now they call it genital urinary syndrome of menopause because it could cause you to have UTIs, painful intercourse, you know, vaginal pain, you know, it can cause all those things. So if we really think about where the hormones do what, we have to go back to embryology. And when we think about embryology, the lower third of the vagina came from something called the urogenital sinus. And then the upper third of the vagina have malarian ducts. So there's two tubes that fuse in the vagina, fuse in the uterus, and then you have your tubes. The malarian cells have an estrogen association. The urogenital sinus, which is just cells that poke in and started to form the vagina and join those malarian ducts is androgen in origin. You've got hair on your vulva. So that tissue really has a lot of androgen receptors, which is why I don't use estradiol in the vagina because it's actually better to use androgens. Now, androgens are DHEA or testosterone. Now, estriol is a weak estrogen, and there are also a lot of estriol receptors in the vagina. So that's another therapy that people sometimes use in the vagina. But again, like we talked about, anything you put in the vagina isn't really systemic therapy. So it's not going to give you the benefits of bone health and protect you against heart disease, which is the number one killer in women. Does DHEA give you protection against those? Um, so those studies have not been done as far as heart disease. There are some studies that uh, say that it does promote bone growth in the bone cell, but I don't know that they've done any longitudinal studies. They have to go through all these phase one, phase two, phase three. And then the man who did all the studies was someone from Quebec. And I, I've spoken in Southeast Asia about DHEA and testosterone at an international OBGYN society meeting. So I corresponded with him about this endocrinology and all of his studies that he's done. And so unfortunately, he passed away last year. I think was before COVID, maybe it was 2019, but he did all the research on DHEA. And I don't know that there's, it's ever been looked at for bone health or heart disease. It got approved for vaginal therapy only, but we've been using it as systemic therapy as a source of androgens. I've been using it for years in my patients. So this is so much fantastic information. You've got three tips for us, right? Well, if I had to give you any tips, I would hope that everybody takes estradiol or estriol in its bioidentical form through the skin, whether that's a gel, whether that's an estradiol patch that's commercially made and, you know, mass produced by a drug company, it's still bioidentical. Just to clarify, this is just menopausal women to take as their hormone replacement therapy. And this is, would be on the skin versus oral. Suppository versus or a oral, suppository, yes. Or a suppository. Well, if you're going to give a suppository, you're not getting systemic therapy. You're getting Yeah. So you're only getting the benefits of your urethra and your vagina, which was is benefits, but you're not getting bone health or heart health. Got it. 
It's not been studied to say that it does that. It's not thought to do that. I know, like I said, I know that people say that it's systemic, but they, and there might be some systemic absorption because if you stick it high enough in the vagina, there's some blood vessels there that are close to the liver, but it doesn't get through your whole body from the vagina. So the first tip is please don't ever take oral estrogen. <laughs> the second tip is please take bioidentical progesterone and not its synthetic version of Provera. And the type of testing matters, you know? So if you're taking a topical and your doctor's just doing blood testing. Now, if you're doing a patch, you could see that in the blood. You could monitor that. And, you know, I'm involved in some research now with one of the testing company looking at just that. And so, but you can't, if you're using biased, it's never going to increase the risk. It's never going to increase your systemic levels. So we need to properly look at what is your body getting to make sure it's not what we call supraphysiologic. So the type of testing does matter. I see. Okay. And then you said, sorry, just to clarify, you said to take a topical version of progesterone, right? Thank you for asking that. When you take estrogen through the skin in any form, there are no studies that progesterone cream is going to protect the uterus. There's not any studies that have been done. So if we're giving you estrogen that causes growth, we need to give you progesterone that is going to counteract that because of that history of uterine cancer. So the only studies that have been done are oral progesterone, oral micronized progesterone. So if you're taking topical estrogen and topical progesterone and you don't have a uterus, okay, that might be something else. But if you have a uterus, the practice pattern is to take it orally, natural progesterone. Like I'm taking just estriol, no progesterone or anything. So just estriol vaginally, which a lot of people are taking, more people are taking estradiol. Most people I know, that's what they're prescribed, kind of, right? They're prescribed estradiol. And some people are prescribed estriol if, if, you know, if they're prescribed in a bioidentical route. There's so many options and I, I, it's so important to have you here to like get it all kind of sorted out. So what are our options, right? We've got, you could do your estriol, right? So vaginal estriol is local therapy. It's not thought to increase the risk of uterine cancer or breast cancer, but it doesn't protect your heart and it doesn't protect your bones. It okay. just helps GSM. I see. So you're saying that if you want the full benefit, right, if you just want to deal with GSM, genitourinary syndrome of menopause, just want to deal with, for instance, uh, vaginal atrophy, pain, uh, dryness, thinning of tissues, right, um, in the vagina, then you can go this route with this uh, local application, take a cream, take a, a suppository, my practice pattern for that complaint is DHEA vaginally rather than estriol. Rather than estriol or estradiol to take DHEA. I don't give estradiol in the, in the vagina because, again, that study that showed it increases your systemic levels after one week of use of estradiol. So if I'm, and it just, it, again, if I guess if your problem is very, very deep and that's the estrogen sensitive tissue, you could get some benefit, but the, what most people have, the problem is the urethra, the entrance, the, just the vulva, that's more receptors for androgens and DHEA. I see. Right, right. Yeah. One of my doctors, cause I've got a few, 
recommended DHEA and I took it and I didn't like it as much as the, the bioidenticals. I think I told you that, but now you're making me rethink the whole thing and maybe see if I can get another application, another kind of, um, of yeah, maybe it wasn't the right dose or the right base or anything like that, you know, so. Right, right. But now you're making me th rethink that. So that's the recommendation is DHEA for vaginal atrophy symptoms. That's my recommendation. But again, I probably shouldn't be making a recommendation to anybody because I am not their doctor. But I will tell you that the North American Menopause Society will still endorse estradiol in the vagina. I see. Interesting. But you're saying that if we want to have more systemic benefits, this protection of bones, protection of heart health, that we should go a, a systemic route, but the route you recommend is not oral and it's not synthetic, but it's, um, it's some kind of patch or something that would be on the skin. And just for clarification, what, what is it that we would take that would be like not a what, so the what, patches are all estradiol, which estradiol. are bioidentical, right? I see. There is no commercially available estriol. If you get that, you have to go to a compounding pharmacy. And for whatever reason, the pharmaceuticals are at war with compounding and they're trying to extinguish it. It's all about the, the profit, right? So they're really trying to get rid of it. That's crazy. I see. Yeah, I use a compounding pharmacy and I, I love it. So if I mean, you use your compounding pharmacy, most of the compounding pharmacists will have a link where you can fill out a, a survey that says, please do not get rid of compounding. I bet they have it. Like my compounding pharmacy sent out, please, can you fill out this survey? Um, because something called the National Association of Science, it's NASEM, NASEM, is saying we need more information, which I agree. We need more studies, which I agree. But again, it, it's all about the profit, right? Which is so frustrating, you know? So uh, they're trying to get rid of compounding. Wow. Yeah. So if you have the opportunity or anyone listening, touch your compounding pharmacy, ask them if they can give you the link on uh, the survey to say, please, I want my compounding hormones. I, you know, I still want to take it, that kind of thing. Okay. And uh, one thing that I'm really recommending is that people do find an expert that they can really sort these things out with. Everything is going to be dependent, of course, on your medical history, on your particular body. So we can't make blanket recommendations, but it's also very important to find a doctor who can give you all this newest information and sort things out for you and let you know your full spectrum of options. Because what happens is doctors often, they will just prescribe the thing that they prescribe and they won't let you know that you've got other, other options. And I, I love just knowing you could go, we could see a hormone expert. Yes. Um, I could just defend those traditional doctors. They just aren't taught about it. The amount of time and money that I have spent re-educating myself is astronomical. And so doctors, you know, either can't afford it. Or why would they do that? There's no benefit for them to get extra training unless they're passionate about it like I am, right? Unless they have a personal reason to learn about hormones, it doesn't give them more money, right? There's no to prescribe. It's actually more of a hassle, to do it. It takes longer. And so the traditional doctors are not taught it. So if you go to your traditional OBGYN, it is rare. Some of them do know. I'm not saying that none of them know, but some of them 
don't know about hormones. You think they do, but they don't. Well, thank you so much. This has just been extremely informative for people. Thank you so much, Dr. Scott. I really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. And thank you for all you're doing to educate women as well. Thank you. 